welcome back to the While We're Waiting Hope After Child Loss podcast. I'm Jill Sullivan, your host and one of the co-founders of the While We're Waiting ministry. Brad and I have just returned from hosting a While We're Waiting weekend in Central Tennessee. It was such a wonderful time of sharing with other bereaved parents. We made some great new friends and heard the stories of their amazing children. And while we were in Tennessee, there were while we're waiting retreats going on in Arkansas and Arizona, and we've heard wonderful reports from those events as well. For more information about our upcoming while we're waiting retreats, visit our website at www.whilewe'rewaiting.org and click on the locations tab. We'd love to have the opportunity to meet you at a retreat one day. This coming Saturday will mark 13 years since Hannah went to heaven, and I hope you won't mind indulging me with some memories over the next couple of episodes. Shortly after Hannah died, I began blogging, and I kept it up for several years. It was always so helpful for me to write out my thoughts and struggles and victories. I seem to be one of those people who doesn't really know what they're thinking until they put it in writing. In November of 2011... About two and a half years after Hannah's death, I wrote two blog posts, one titled, 10 Things That Still Make Me Sad, and one titled, 10 Things That Still Make Me Smile. And over the next two episodes, I'd like to share those. I remember as I compiled the 10 things that still make me sad, I was trying to clarify for myself what things were triggering my sadness. My thought was that by specifically identifying them, I could be better prepared for their onslaught. And maybe there's someone listening to this podcast who can relate, who might hear these things and realize that they are not the only one who struggles with these kinds of things. So without further ado, this is the blog post I wrote on November 14, 2011. As we approach our third holiday season since Hannah went to heaven, I've been dealing with the now familiar wave of grief that always seems to come around this time of year. After the loss of a child, there are the big, obvious things that make you sad, like the holidays, your child's birthday, the anniversary of their death, or their empty bedroom. But there are also little things, things that would seem completely inconsequential to others, but things that must be dealt with on a daily or nearly daily basis. So I thought I would list 10 things that still make me sad on a daily basis, even though it's been nearly three years since Hannah went to heaven. Number one, grocery shopping. Hannah loved Chex Mix and green olives, two things that no one else in the family really eats. I used to buy them just for her. She would sit and eat green olives right out of the jar like they were candy. As her health deteriorated and her sense of taste was affected by radiation and chemotherapy, her tastes dwindled to basically three things, oranges, Michelina frozen fettuccine, and Special K with red berries cereal. It was not uncommon for her to eat a bowl of cereal, some fettuccine, and an orange in the middle of the night in the last month of her life. It makes me very sad to go grocery shopping and not buy any of these things. I'll actually avert my eyes as I walk down the aisle so I don't even have to see any of these items. Number two, seeing her high school friends. I was at our high school football game on Friday night and watched as her two best high school friends walked by together, laughing and talking. I always feel such a tug in my heart whenever I see her friends from school, knowing that they are home from college for the weekend, spending time with their families. It really makes me miss my girl. Number three, getting out three plates for dinner. 
Even after almost three years, I never pull plates out of the cabinet without an awareness that I'm only getting three of them instead of four. The evening we came home from the hospice center after Hannah's death in February of 2009, there was a nice warm supper waiting for us on the counter from a sweet family in our Sunday school class. Amazingly, we were actually hungry, not having eaten all day, and we decided to sit down and eat. I opened the cabinet and pulled out four plates. As I was pulling four forks out of the silverware tray, Brad pointed out to me what I was doing. The heartache I felt as I put one of those plates back into the cabinet is repeated every time I get out three plates for dinner. Number four, seeing mothers and daughters together. Whenever I see mothers and their nearly adult daughters together, especially shopping, I feel that familiar pang. Hannah and I were great shopping buddies. Of course, she loved it when we shopped for her, but she would always encourage me to shop for myself. She would find outfits for me to try on and waited patiently while I changed into them and modeled for her. She actually helped bring my wardrobe into the 21st century from the 1980s. I miss those days. Number five, going to Bethany's school events. Bethany's very active in school and church activities, and I love watching her play basketball, high jump, and cheer. It's one of my favorite things to do. But there's always a sadness that Hannah is not there to cheer her on. I know she'd be in college now and would miss a lot of these events anyway, but she'd be following her activities closely and would come to anything she was able to. Last week, Bethany played in a basketball tournament at Washtenaw Baptist University, where Hannah would have been a student, and it would have been so much fun for us to have watched those games together. Hannah was not athletic, and she knew it, but I think that made her appreciate Bethany's athleticism even more. She was definitely her sister's biggest fan, even coming to watch her play basketball in the last month of her life when she could barely walk without assistance. It makes me sad that Bethany doesn't get to hear her voice in the stands cheering her on. Number six, sharing new things with her. It seems like there's always something I want to tell her or show her, like the beauty of the changing leaves or a new song by Switchfoot or the new comforter I found on sale at Kohl's yesterday. I want to show her how much the trees we planted have grown and show her all the changes that have taken place on our high school campus in the past couple of years. It seems there's always something I want to tell her, and it makes me sad that I can't. Number seven, the grave. Thankfully, I don't have to deal with her grave on a daily basis. I know that many bereaved parents get a lot of comfort from visiting their child's grave, and that's wonderful. There is no comfort for me there, only pain. Her grave is located in a cemetery near the Sullivan Family Deer Camp, which is where we often have family gatherings. It is excruciating to drive right past her grave on the way to a family get-together. Some completely illogical part of my brain feels like we ought to stop, pick her up, and bring her with us. It makes me very sad that we can't. Number eight, changing seasons. For some reason, as one season fades into another, the sadness hits me again. I think maybe it's because the changing seasons are a sign of time passing, stretching out the number of days since I last saw her, talked to her, held her hand. Number nine, her cousins. 
Hannah was the oldest of all of her cousins by about three and a half years. As a natural-born leader, she was adored by all her younger cousins. She kept them all in line, squelched all the bickering, and served as director and narrator of the annual cousin nativity play at Christmas time. It absolutely breaks my heart to know that three of her cousins will never remember her. One was almost two when she died, one only three months, and one yet unborn. Their parents have done a wonderful job of making sure they know who Hannah is, but it just makes me so sad that they never had the opportunity to get to know her. Number 10. While We're Waiting Whenever we have a while we're waiting event, I always wish I could sit down with her and tell her all about it, and it makes me sad that I can't because I know she'd enjoy hearing all about it. But then it hits me. Of course, while we're waiting would not exist if she were here. The lives that God has used this ministry to touch would remain untouched. You know, I think one reason why some of these things are so difficult is because no one else seems to get it, except other bereaved parents. And that's what makes while we're waiting events so wonderful. But in our everyday lives, we're surrounded by people who just don't get it. It's good to know that even if no one else gets it, God does. That's such a comfort to me. No matter how illogical some of my thoughts and feelings may be, He gets it. And even though these things can still bring sadness to my heart, it sure helps to know that He cares and understands. It's also a comfort to look at this list now in 2022 with the perspective of over a decade and realize that while these things still make me sad, and probably always will, the piercing pain has softened greatly. God is faithful, friends, and while we will always miss our children, and we will never fully heal until we see them again, His grace truly is sufficient for this journey. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. We hope it brought you some comfort and encouragement today and maybe made you feel a little less alone on the journey. Please subscribe so you'll never miss an episode and and maybe leave us a rating in iTunes to help others find the podcast. Again, we're glad you spent a few minutes with us today. It's a blessing to walk beside you as we seek to live well while we're waiting.